Welcome to everyone. I'm Jenny Stanley, founder and managing director of Appetite Creative. And I'm really excited to have everyone here today. Huge welcome to everyone joining us on our webinar, which is our 11th webinar. Um, we've been creating a special session. Um, it's, it's a year since we started these. Um, and this is a little bit different from the usual um, as we've got our, our report findings. So as I said, we've got um, open QA. So please feel free to write your questions in the QA box below and we will ask our, quest, our guests today your questions. Earlier this year at Appetite Creative, we conducted the 2021 global survey on B2B marketing and we were searching for answers from the industry. Questions such as, are businesses increasing their B2B <clears throat> marketing spend this year? or how important for businesses is their B2B digital marketing plan this year? These were some of the questions posed to industry CEOs, CMOs, and decision makers in order for us marketing, advertising, and creative people to know what to expect in 2021. Did the pandemic affect the plans? I'm sure they did, but how? And what was the impact? Is the impact positive? Or are B2B businesses cutting their marketing budgets to survive the challenges posed by COVID-19? This is what today's session is all about. And sharing with you what we've learned from the collected responses, we will be discussing these findings with our exports, uh, experts, Paul Evans, Lou Nylander, Graham Alexander and Fiona Wiley. A big welcome to our guest in, experts. We are going to leave the event knowing exactly, well, at least a little bit more, informed on what to count on and what to expect in the remaining quarters of 2021. So before that, I'd like just our panellists to introduce themselves. Paul Evans, CEO at Agile Media. Lou Nylander, Global Marketing Director at Unruly. Graham Alexander, Global Director at Teeds and Fiona Wiley, founder of The Brand Champions. It would be fantastic for you to introduce yourselves quickly and give us a nice fun fact about the first thing you're going to do when you get out of lockdown. Paul, we'll, we'll jump to you first. Yeah, to start my video there. Hey, everybody. Um, so I'm a, a former uh, client-side advertiser marketer, basically. 20-year marketer, uh, formerly global head of media at Vodafone. Uh, then a B2B marketing consultant, then now CEO at um, an ad tech business called Agile, which is uh, Australian based and operates within the TV data and analytics space. Um, so I've got a real strong kind of um, passion for marketing um, in all aspects, B2C or B2B, and uh, hoping to kind of bring that to bear today. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out of lockdown? Oh, yeah. Haircut and go climbing, like uh, indoor climbing. I haven't done that for like a couple of years now, so quite keen to do that. Nice. With with, with clearly a better haircut, because I think that'll be, <laughs> that'll be advantageous. <laughs> Fantastic. Lou, you got your video working already. I'm ready. Um, hi, Jenny. Um, my name is Lou Nylander. I'm the Global Marketing Director at Unruly. Unruly is a video platform, and our mission is to transform advertising for the better. Um, the First thing I'm going to do out of lockdown, I've actually already organised it with my friends and we are, we've already booked it for the first sort of week that the restaurant's open and we're all going to the Ivy. Um, so I miss restaurants. I like going out to, to restaurants. I think it's one of the main reasons why I stayed in uh, media and marketing. Um, so I've already got that sorted and I cannot wait. Favourite <laughs> cocktail? Favourite cocktail, Lou? Oh God. Oh, um, Singapore Sling. Nice. Espresso Martini. Ah! <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to take things off track. Lola, <laughs> over to you. Oh, great. Fiona, take the floor. Okay, hi, I'm Fiona. I'm founder of The Brand Champions. We work with um, clients and agencies to help both of them build brands, hugely passionate about working in this space. Um, never mind the first thing I'm going to do. The thing I'm most looking forward to is going to weddings. I've got two weddings lined up uh, straight after um, they have said you can have weddings again. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Love, love in the air. Brilliant. Graham, are you getting married after lockdown? <laughs> no, but obviously Fiona would be invited if, if I was. Great. Although my, my, my wife might be a bit concerned. If, um, <laughs> um, so I'm Graham. I'm uh, the Global Director for Communications and PR at Teeds. Um, we're a global platform that connects brands to consumers through the world's best publishers. Um, first thing I'm going to do at lockdown is see my family. I've got a three-year-old niece and a nephew who was born in October, who I've only met once, which is mad. Um, so desperate to get back and see them. So that's booked in for, yeah, very soon, as soon as we can. Nice. Emily loves drinking and haircuts. Sounds like, sounds like the perfect mix. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Great to have you here. So big welcome to you all. Let's move now to the report. Um, and if you are looking for a copy of the full report, then you can email me or one of the team and we'll get it right over to you. Also, so you can see the slides, you do have the ability to change your view. It should be a right-hand uh, corner option for you, so you can change the window and follow along with the slides um, as you go. If you need, reach out if you need help, and someone in the conversation box from my team will assist you. So let's get the presentation started, and let's start talking about the survey. So the insights that you will see here are based on the respondents we've collected in January 2021. And a big thank you to anyone who is watching this webinar um, and also contributed. Um, obviously, we appreciate that. So as I say, the survey was conducted in 2021 and our goal was to reach C-suite advertising and procurement marketing professionals from a multitude of industries, not only marketing and advertising, but also FMCG, pharma, IT, healthcare or manufacturing to really understand their marketing plans for this year. Starting with the reasons why B2B decision makers consider digital marketing an essential part of their business strategy. It's worth mentioning that many reasons here were given, but 82% of our respondents agree that digital marketing can be seen as a new business driver. And almost half of them believe that it is essential to have a solid digital marketing strategy to enhance sales, build a strong brand and improve direct communication with customers. It's also worth noting that while digital marketing is the main form of marketing these days, with 93% of our respondents considering or doing this for their businesses, other formats are also considered as alternative. Traditional marketing channels such as outdoor advertising, radio or audio commercials are becoming almost obsolete. With the B2B world, less than 10% of respondents considering these channels for their marketing strategies while marketing through podcast episodes is becoming more popular than ever, with more than 30% of respondents being interested in this relatively new form of marketing. And by the way, of course, we are ahead of the curve, and you can actually subscribe to this on a podcast also. 
So let's jump specifically into what 2021 will bring for the marketing industry. What are digital brands and agencies going to expect for the year ahead? Well, 2% of decision makers said digital marketing will not be relevant for their businesses this year. So complementing that, we can see that 60% or more than 60% actually said that they are going to be looking into refreshing their digital marketing plans with a focus on new content, looking at videos, their websites, brand image and identity, and above all, a lot of social media activity. Not only LinkedIn, but Facebook and Instagram are trending within most industries, but also we can see new channels and exciting platforms emerging such as Clubhouse or TikTok. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. 70% of B2B buyers watch videos as part of their product uh, research ahead of conversion or purchasing. Video advertising spend, therefore, is likely to continue increasing in 2021. Of course, we've got a lot of people still stuck at home. Streaming video, therefore, has grown into something akin to a survival tool. Videos not only entertain, as we know, but also educate. So it's really good to see here that video is being more widely concerned, uh, sorry, considered for B2B and not just B2C. The increasing importance of digital marketing in the B2B world will ultimately translated into greater marketing budgets. This, at least, is what we can infer from the responses collected in this survey. Here we can see that 65% of the CEOs and CMOs are indeed planning to expand their investment into digital marketing in 2021. The dimension of the planned investment is also worth a note. In fact, 40% of the decision makers said they were planning to invest more than 10K in the next quarters, while 37 plan to increase their budget from 1 to 10K more in their digital marketing budgets. It's also good news for the marketing industry that B2B businesses are at this moment willing to spend a considerable amount of money to reinforce that digital presence. And we can see here that approximately 45% of our sample would spend 10K, while 44% would actually spend more than that. 19% of our respondents said that they would invest more than 30 grand on revamping their website. To conclude these report and presentations, I think one of the most insightful pieces of the survey actually came in at the end. So 85% of our respondents stated that they had spent money on creating, updating their brand image and looking and updating their owned assets. Yet 15% were still yet to invest. Now, this could be a little bit of a problem because, as we said earlier, only 2% of people um, said that they weren't looking to spend on digital. So if we know that almost 100% of B2B marketers are going to increase their digital marketing spend, yet 15% have still not invested in their digital brands on their assets, there could definitely be a disappointment when those traffic Uh, when the traffic arrives from those campaigns, it doesn't convert maybe as well as it should. So it's with this thought that I gladly invite our guests and our experts now to join me and for us to talk a little bit more around these results. And I'd start by asking you, Paul, what's your perspective on these these figures? Are you surprised about anything? Do you think 15% of the the B2B industry should be investing or improving or looking at their brand? What do you feel about that? Yeah, I was really encouraged by that um, by that last data point, actually, because, um, and you might expect this given my background, but big believer in the value of brands. 
um, and the value of brand to to build lead generation and demand generation um, within a B two B context as well. And um, so I'm kind of encouraged really that that that's the case and that that more marketers are looking to invest within the the brand as a as a key asset and a key driver of performance for the business. Yeah. I mean, eighty-five percent is a is is a is a large amount, of course. Um, Lou and Fiona, what insights are more relevant or or surprising to you? Shall I go first? Um, I think what was really interesting to me was the fact that actually I would have thought it would have been um, less than uh, 85% uh, actually, because I think with B2B marketing, often people don't um, necessarily always think about, um, you know, investing in their branding. So that actually surprised me. And I was really excited actually that the industry is thinking, yes, we should be looking at our branding and and, and focusing. The 15% versus the two, I think there's a great opportunity there. Um, I think when you think about marketing theory, there's always a balance between sort of like short-term activation and long-term brand building. Um, so I think that that needs to be taken into consideration. And so if you are going to be spending more money on digital assets, you also need to long-term think about what that means for your brand. So you're going to have to invest in where you're sending that traffic to as well. Yeah. Fiona? I think for me, I was drawn to the 61% are interested in new content and video updates. Um, the real reason being, when I look, I work with a lot of consumer brands as well, and they're so far ahead of us sometimes here, um, that I really hope when we look at things like LinkedIn, it's fairly static formats that I come across day to day. So I really hope that we start to see some real creativity from the B2B industry, particularly in looking at our new content and video so we can start to kind of catch up what our B2C are doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's sometimes that misconception that B2B uh, can't be doing the same things as B2C or B2B is boring yeah. or, or anything like that. And, mm. you know, we're still the same people, right? The exactly. same person, B2B consumer is also in the B2B world. So, yeah. Exactly. Graham, any any thoughts from you? Yeah, I would I'd totally echo that um, that creativity point. I think it, it's really interesting, you know, when you when you look at kind of the marketing awards and, and how creativity invested, there are often kind of categories that you wouldn't associate with being that sexy, that exciting, that do some fantastic work. And I think B2B is held back, as you say, by sometimes trying to be too corporate. And I think we can have a lot of fun with these brands and, and make that impact. But as you say, you're creating new websites, you're creating new brands, people are thinking about how to talk about their business in a different way. Um, marketing and creativity should absolutely be a driver for that. Mm, definitely. And in regards to investment in, in the different marketing channels, what extent do you agree that B2B companies then should should be dropping radio, outdoor and, and, and the other traditional channels in order to fully invest in the new digital channels, such as podcasts, for example, or print? Or, or what do you think around the trade press? What's your thoughts on that? I think it's a really interesting question. I think when you know when you talk about these different channels, the lines are so blurred now because digital is everywhere, right? We listen to the radio on our smart speaker. So is that a radio channel? Is that a digital channel? Um, and, you know, it kind of comes back to really distilling it back to marketing, which is to speak to where your consumer is. So if your consumers are flooding back to the office, you probably should be thinking about out of home. And, you know, there's there's lots of exciting ways to, to make that impact. So for me, it's about context. Um, context is so powerful and, and is really important, especially when you're thinking of B2B, if you're if you're on TikTok, 
is that, you know, are you going to have someone dancing or doing something strange and then you're going to throw in a farmer ad? It might not really resonate in the right way and you, you're going to create the wrong kind of impact. So for me, it's about really thinking about where are professionals thinking in that professional mindset? How are they going to be thinking in the right way to then absorb your brand? And trade press for me is absolutely critical. You know, our, our mission at Tease is to support, you know, quality journalism and that stays true when you're when you're thinking about um, the trade press. They they need to hold us to account. They need to celebrate the good things, um, and so I think it's absolutely crucial to to support the trade press. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well said, Graham. I think um, kind of bringing it back to smart planning, right? Intelligent understanding of our audiences and the the business value that we need to create, the business problems that we need to solve and address through through marketing communications in this instance. Um, it should all be grounded in that. And it, I kind of think there's uh, there's been historically a lot of emphasis on kind of binary thinking around this channel or that channel. And the reason why two times two is greater than one times three is that multiplication and, and a catalytic effect of using multiple channels is, is such a stronger solution for brands, whether they're B2C or B2B. So thinking about how you use and pull levers across different channels, how you tell stories sequentially or in adjacent channels um, is, you know, will get you to a stronger outcome. Yeah, and I think further to that, it's also about understanding your audience. So I don't think you can say sort of like you need to drop board, uh, sort of radio or you need to drop outdoor. For me, we don't use um, sort of outdoor or, or radio uh, unruly, but that's because our audience aren't there. Our audience are definitely reading the trade press. Our audience are definitely digitally, digitally savvy and are on sort of like Twitter and Facebook. So we, we concentrate on those areas. So if you actually look more into what your audience, where your audience are and what they're doing and then focus your strategies on that 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 will prevent you from sort of like uh focusing in the wrong areas definitely definitely question in from the audience um question for fiona if a brand was reading this data how would you suggest i use this information to stand out competitively from cameron um so uh, that's a good question. I think standing out, I think I go back to what um, Graham and Lou have just said. It's about right time, right context. So you need to catch them where they are. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, we, we've seen so many different examples of creativity. Um, it, it can be format as well as necessarily just creative would be my view. There's um, there's not a hard and fast rule of here's how you're going to stand out this is an easy tick box it's about understanding your audience understanding how you capture their attention and then giving that to them in the right place right time yeah definitely definitely not a not a a one-size-fits-all no no, personalization personalization is going to be where this goes you know we've, we've all been reading so much about tailoring it making it personal um everybody's expectations are so much higher now because we've all been at home and you know online so much more so i think you know think about all of those things when you're thinking about how to stand out yeah definitely and what about events lou you're, you're I've got to. I've got to come to you for for events. What do you think about events for twenty twenty one? Are you planning any in person ones? 
Uh, yes, I am. But my role's global. So uh, just to caveat that. So yes, I am doing in-person events, uh, mainly in Australia and New Zealand. I wonder why, uh, because uh, they are living life right now. Um, but elsewhere, um, we are doing um, virtual events. And one of the things that we've done at Unruly, actually, was we've worked with a third party company and we've created our own branded platform. Because what we realised was, was that actually... Virtual events, like the first year, sort of 2020, we just hacked it, basically. We just got a bit of Zoom. I got a bit of Teams. I got somebody on my team, told them they were an event producer, and we just tried to make it happen. And that was okay. That was all right um, in the beginning. Um, But then when I started to realise that, you know... COVID wasn't going to go away and we still need to engage with our clients. We had to really think about what what we were going to do. So we built our own platform that has functionality. You can do polls. um, You can uh, break out people into different groups. There's even like a bit at the end where you can go and you basically do like a networking things and we send out cocktail kicks and they can all chat to each other. So I think there's going to be moving forward. There's definitely there needs to be investment in virtual events. But I think when we get back to normal, there's still going to be people that are never going to be comfortable now going into a massive conference arena so i think now we're going to have to cater for this sort of hybrid events style um situation where yes you do have a main event where people can go in person but there is also some type of virtual um uh, element as well mm-hmm. so you think almost that every single event needs to have some sort of digital yeah. option yeah i definitely do i think you know what you know, COVID's funny, right? There's the sort of, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of aspects that have happened that that are, are not that pleasant. But actually from it, um, we have realised that the world of work has changed, right? And we are all in different places in the UK. Um, like Fiona's in, Ger- is in Guernsey, are you? Guernsey, yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm in London, Graham's in Bristol. So, you know, we're, we're you're in um, Madrid. So like, we're all over the globe and we're having a, a panel now. So the fantastic thing about that is it's, it's sort of blown up boundaries and it means that you can have an event anywhere. So actually, from my perspective, what's so exciting about it is I had a speaker that's like based in San Francisco and normally I would have never been able to have an event with him on board but I can now so I just think there's there's a huge opportunity now that didn't exist before and and wasn't possible um, and we need to capitalize on that yeah absolutely I I like what you say blowing up boundaries I think you know digital's always been able to connect people but now what we can do is really bring them together in a much different way and, and people be okay with it whereas I think before if you'd offered some sort of virtual experience or a video call versus a face-to-face meeting I think some people would kind of turn their nose up at that as a that's not going to be very good so I think I think that's a really interesting point Mm -hmm. um okay so sticking on events let's let's do a quick poll so we've got an interactive uh poll that's coming up on screen first time we've done this so let's see how that works out so what we want to know from the audience um is in-person events um, will will this go ahead or not? And let's just do a quick fire round. Paul, Cans, is it going to go ahead in person? Uh, too early, I think, for Can. So that's a no? Yeah, that's a no. Sorry for being honest. <laughs> Lou? No. Fiona? No. Graham? You can't say now. <laughs> what about to Mexico? Later on in the year, September time? Yes, as a hybrid. Lou? I I think it's going to end up being digitally only. Mm. Fiona, I'm with Paul. I think hybrid. Graham. 
Yeah, given it, given they did it last year, I can't see how they, they won't do it this year. Uh, as a as a hybrid or as a hybrid, hybrid yeah, hybrid, yeah. Okay, and uh, if it was with an in-person option, would you go, Paul? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're human beings, ultimately, right? We we want to meet people. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much advantage in that. We shouldn't forget it. Lou, would you go to Mexico? I don't. I don't know. I, I'm just to, just to be brutally honest. To Mexico is probably the my least favourite um, trade event um, in in yeah. the sort of the roster. So That's probably so probably not. I'd probably try and send one of my team members instead. Um, <laughs> So that's my answer. Yeah, would you go? Possibly. I think it depends on right time, what's going on, what's happening. Like, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm not against going to things in person. Yeah. Graham? I am desperate to go anywhere in the world. So <laughs> stick me on a plane to a conference anywhere. I'll go. Any, anywhere, anywhere. Okay, interesting. Good. Let's have a look at our poll. So our poll says... At 4% that Kansas and New Mexico will have an in-person uh, part of the event. Um, people are, uh, I'm going to end the polling. People are, right, so none of them will, which is uh, 50% of our respondents, none of them will have an in-person option for New Mexico and Cannes. Let's see, let's find out. All right, so, um, Graham, over to you. What do you think is the main focus that you'll be actually spending your marketing budget on this year? Well, echoing actually a lot of Lou, lot of what Lou said earlier. Um, you know, we took the pandemic as a, as a chance to kind of try a lot of things that we wouldn't have tried before. Um, you know, I was a, a not a great advocate of virtual events before, and probably not a huge advocate of them now. But there's no denying our own platform has worked again, similar to Lou. So that's where we're investing is that there's a lot of chance to invest on our own kind of media and then investing then other 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 marketing budgets to then amplify that content right whether it's our own awards program or our own conferences or our own content that's you know it's a, it's about engaging with your audience in a different way because the power of events historically is the networking side of things which I, to be honest, I haven't really seen been cracked online. So then you need to lean into the other channels and saying, okay, how else are we communicating? So for us, it's really about doubling down on our own our own media and then using marketing to amplify that content. Nice. Fiona, what about your marketing budget this year? I, so I absolutely agree with what Graham and Lou said. I think it's about hybrid and, you know, going back to what I said earlier, this is about we've been really demanding. We've got into real time and expecting really quick responses from people. So I think, you know, we need to move to a balance. I, I personally want to move to a place where we're still doing lots of digital activation and we're still doing digital events, um, but we get back to me meeting people face to face and in person and having real life conversations with people ultimately. Um, and we're not just focusing on new customers, we're focusing on retention. You know, it's really important that we remember how powerful our existing um, base is and how do we nurture those relationships, uh, given we haven't seen anyone in flesh for such a long time so that that's the important things for me and my kind of marketing activity this year yeah yeah no that's makes good sense paul what about yourself main focus for, for marketing budget 
It's a, a bit of a curious question for, for us as a business. We're a startup to scale up business, um, going through quite rapid growth and international expansion. Um, so it's kind of two answers to the question I wanted to give really. One was, you know, functionally as we grow, we'll we'll look to bring on um, the most relevant touch points and communication levers for, for our business in, in, in terms of what we can invest. Um, and and against the kind of marketing tasks that we need to deliver as we launch new products or enter a new market, as an example, right? So it's a relatively functional answer to that. Um, the other answer is is more about my own journey from CMO to CEO in this role, and how we're looking to kind of elevate marketing within our business. It kind of goes back to that incredibly famous Drucker quote, love quoting Drucker, um, the management consultant, in terms of there's only two functions in a, in a business, right? One's innovation, one's marketing. And it's kind of saying that marketing doesn't have to be a kind of um, um, uh, down the bottom um, in terms of decisioning um, function. It's, it can be strategic. It can drive your overall business. It can shape the decisions you take and solve business problems. So as a, as a business, you know, we we look to ingest and, and live marketing in its kind of truest sense in, in that way. And um, we'll, we'll be looking to kind of drive uh, a marketing agenda through the business as we grow. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit around um, new platforms. Um, Lou, you told us a little bit around the, the, the event platform. What about any other kind of uh, new technologies or, or new platforms? Will you be looking into anything else, maybe augmented reality or using video in a different way? Um, from my perspective, one of the things that I'm quite interested in, um, given the fact that we are sort of um, at the moment unruly doubling down on um, digital investment, is actually the measurement of that. Um, I'm quite data driven and I like to have uh, data fueling the decisions that we're making at Unruly. And one of the things I realised was that we were using all these disparate systems and a lot of my team was spending lots of time like updating spreadsheets and doing stuff like that. So actually one of the things that we're looking to invest in and work with a third party is building sort of like uh, a marketing dashboard of truth is what I'm calling it, um, where anybody in my team and um, uh, the wider business can go and have a look at, you know, our previous cans and what the uh, what the measurements uh, were events. But actually moving forward as we invest more in digital channels, how are those actually, you know, um, tying up with like our um, Salesforce and our, our other tools and how is that driving ROI? So that's one of the things that I'm potentially uh, quite interested in. We're actually, in the end, it worked out. It made much more sense to sort of work with a third party and create our own system rather than trying to, to sort of make all those systems sing and speak together. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting, Graham. You've also been working on an events uh, type platform, but what about new technology for for yourselves as a, from a marketing perspective? Yeah, we you know especially as things started to close down last year, and we were looking at you know all these kind of pivots. Um, we did explore different things like augmented reality, virtual reality, um, but they didn't quite have the scale that we kind of felt like you needed to there's high engagement but it was quite on a narrow basis which you can do if you're trying to kind of get a, a senior top to top or something but it the the ROI really wasn't quite there I think the audio different audio platforms coming out is really fascinating I think you know everyone's 
you know, Clubhouse has created this uh, this kind of nice little buzz, which I think will be interesting to explore. Um, you know, we've like, you know, again, talk about things that I wouldn't have tried before. I was firmly against launching a podcast uh, last year, but we've we've done it really successfully with our kind of our head of luxury, who's talking to luxury brands in a not in a sales way, but just talking about really fascinating conversations. So, mm-hmm. audio is definitely something we're looking at again in that B two B context. People in the right mindset, it works. It seems to work for us as a platform. Super interesting as well that you mentioned uh, Clubhouse. So this is these two platforms, Clubhouse and and, and obviously TikTok. Um, so you're going to do some investigating in in Clubhouse. What what about TikTok? You said you were up for doing some dancing, I think earlier. Uh, no, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't worked for me in the past. So yeah, as a, as a teenager, it didn't work. So I don't know why it would suddenly work for me in my thirties. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, TikTok's not really one for us, I don't think, in the kind of the context and the people that we're speaking to. Um, but, you know, these pla- it's still very young, it's going to mature. So, you know, never say never, but probably not this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that takes us to our next interactive poll. So um, our question is to the audience, will you be investing um, in TikTok or Clubhouse this year? Um, Paul? What about your thoughts on this? Um, I'm, I'm kind of old, right? So uh, I've seen kind of trends in, in new media come along and, and things burn out. And I advocate, always advocate um, the idea of kind of innovation and experimentation, right? You, you kind of have to try new things, absolutely. But also don't chase shiny new shit either for the sake of it. So it, it's kind of strategic innovation in that way. So that kind of doesn't really answer the question. Uh, well, are you going to spend money on either this year? No. Nah. Right. <laughs> Lou, are you going to? Uh, no, probably not. Um, I personally, this is just my opinion, I don't think TikTok works uh, for, for me from a B2B uh, perspective. Uh, love going on there with my just Lou Nylander hat on and just like looking at the people dancing around and doing the funny things. That, that does make me laugh, but I don't see how that helps me, um, you know, uh, evangelise about what I'm really does in market. So no, uh, for TikTok. Uh, Clubhouse, hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Um, we had the first, oh, we've got, actually it's today, uh, is the, t- the first event that we'll be in, uh, involved in from an unruly perspective is this evening, uh, our um, sales oh, director. Uh, well, I think it's about seven o'clock. I don't know. I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, but I think it's about seven o'clock. It's, it's in the evening. I know that. Um, and she's joining uh, a clubhouse uh, sort of room uh, with some other people in, in ad tech to discuss it. I think Paul Gubbins is, is hosting this room. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. Do I want to give money? Do I want to take away from my marketing spend to, to sort of invest in it? Probably not. If people want to dabble around in it, like uh, the sales director or, or myself, if I fancy doing it, yeah, okay. But um, no, I'm not going to spend any money. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fiona? I think similar picture for me, as I said at the start, I want to focus my efforts on getting LinkedIn right and, you know, using that to uh, better um, formats than we can and really exploring what creativity looks like there. Um, So I don't want to be spending money on TikTok. That's not to say some of my B2C clients shouldn't be using TikTok. They probably should. Um, Clubhouse, I'm intrigued, but I'm watching, watching with interest rather than taking part at at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's kind of my stance on it, really. It's kind of mm. wait, waiting on the waiting on the sidelines a little bit, just looking mm. in to see what else everyone else is doing. Exactly. All right, the, the poll results. Um, interestingly, nobody said they're already using both. Um, you do have four um, percent both using only TikTok um, uh, or already using TikTok, which is interesting. Um, and then also for investment. Um, you got 46% actually saying not going to invest in either of the two channels. Um, almost 30% saying both. Um, and uh, 13% only Clubhouse. So quite a mixed bag. Quite a mixed bag there, I'd say. Um, and I think maybe there's a difference in terms of exactly how you would use it um, that, that, that makes a big difference. So I'd say the jury's still out there, but 50% of people really not... Uh, not up for investing any money in it, at least. All right. Um, you know, due to the huge impact COVID has had and is still having on many businesses, what are your thoughts on the investment plans that we presented back here? So many business owners assuming that they are willing to invest their marketing budgets, increase their marketing budgets. Um, some are looking at increasing to up to more than 30K. Um, so that's an increase. Do you think that this figure is mirroring the difficulties that businesses are going through at the moment, Paul? Or is it a sign of actually recovery and people going back to the old normal um, in the business in the business world? Mm, it's a bit difficult to talk to the absolute sums of money and kind of, you know, whether they're meaningful. I, I hope if there is a trend towards an increase, uh, an increased level of investment within marketing, what that reflects more so rather than the COVID or kind of coming out of COVID effect is a, is a commitment towards marketing and, and marketing's accountability as a business driver. Um, I think kind of as more data points come in to support marketing activity and, and, and in tandem, there's a, a board level understanding of what marketing can deliver as value creation for any business, um, then it's not just the colouring in department then um, then I think investment will follow and should follow that, right? Traditionally, B2B investment levels, uh, you know, trail quite significantly um, B2, B2C cousins. So um, I, I kind of hope it's indicative of that. Fiona, what do you think? I agree with everything um, Paul says. I think we've all seen, haven't we, businesses that have really struggled. We've seen businesses that have flourished. We've seen new startup businesses come on. So I think it's really dependent on which one of those areas you fall into. Um, but I would agree with Paul. You know, I hope that what your um, results have shown is that people are going to put their money into marketing because often it's the first thing that gets cut. Mm -hmm. and, and rightly so, you know, if you're not making money, if you can't pay your staff, you cut marketing but we need to focus on brand saliency and how are we going to get that long-term impact um, and so I, I really hope that it's reflective of the of the industry um, and we can see marketing spend continuing one of the one of the things we haven't actually talked about is um csr so i think that we could all agree that covid has had a massive impact on how consumers uh, are thinking about things about how perhaps we're being a little bit more sensitive to each other as well. Um, what about, um, and that's very much, I've seen a lot of different things happening in the B2C area. Um, what about uh, the B2B area? Is there anything in particular um, that you're planning in that area, Lou? 
Um, I could maybe start with you. Is there anything there that you think you're kind of going to step up or new? Um, and what um, do you think the trend is? So yourselves and, and, and the trend. Yeah, so I think from an unruly perspective, one of the things that we've always tried to do, I mean, our, our company mission is to transform advertising for the better. Uh, one of the things that we've tried to sort of focus on um, during the pandemic and after that is kind of we we have a client council that we work with which is um made up of uh, brands and agencies and so we've been working with them um to try and understand what um sort of their pressure points are um and how they've been sort of um helping um from a, a corporate social responsibility point of view one of the things that we're doing at the moment is a is a collaboration with our client council um and a third party mentoring scheme uh which is called circle and we're trying to get uh, younger people back into uh um sort of people that may have lost their jobs or from disadvantaged backgrounds into um unruly and into marketing advertising and creative and and we've kind of uh sort of doubled down um in in that area um but you know obviously um during 2020 there's been lots of stuff that's been going on and obviously we had um uh, some focus on on sort of like black lives matter and stuff like that and we've also unruly um had a look at some of the stuff and the mechanisms that we have had going on so for instance you know um language that we shouldn't have been using like um you know uh we, we've changed to be using inclusion lists um there's an exclusion list and stuff like that so we, we're really trying to have a look at our organization in terms of like what we put out <laughs> and, and inside and be really um introspective as well we've also signed up to the conscious advertising network so that we can sort of adhere to, to some of their principles and we have like sort of manifestos to work through um so that we're able to sort of yeah really look at you know are we transforming advertising uh, for the better and I, I don't think that we have everything right um, from a CR, CSR perspective but one of the things that came out from some of the surveys we did internally at Unruly is that you know especially the younger generation of people that are entering the, the workforce um, more recently they really want to work for companies that are investing in this area and that that think that these things are important so um I definitely think that to, 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 from an employer branding perspective, uh, it's something that you need to focus on and make sure that you're you're getting right so that you're getting the right talent in through the door. Yeah, so from a talent perspective um, as well. So that's a really good point. Fiona, what, what do you feel about that? I think if I was being completely honest, I would say again here that consumer brands have led the way. And I think B2B have got a way to go to show that their brands are more than just profit. They've got purpose and they have got, you know, CSR responsibilities. And, you know, that's a lot of what the work I do with B2B particularly. Um, I think even COVID tiny little steps like people shopping local and, and you're seeing all those local small businesses come back and really benefiting. Um, so I think we've got a lot, a lot we can learn, a lot to do. Um, there's, there's plenty of scope to go out and do more in this area from my perspective personally. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Can I take it up one maybe? If, 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 if that's, that sounds like quite a bold statement. What I mean by that is, um, I kind of rather than think CSR, I think purpose. So and think about and again, this goes back to thinking about our businesses as brands and, and people buy brands because people buy brands because uh, it's a shortcut from from a decisioning perspective, right? It gives them a shortcut to to trust a business and and buy into the why. So I think actually what we're talking about to a certain extent is about purpose. 
And I think um, I think within the B2B arena, if, if businesses can, with authenticity and credibility, um, really understand and then communicate that, that passion and purpose as a business that underpins what they do, um, I think that can only be um, a long-term uh, value driver for a business. And within all those other ways that that, that can be activated, CSR is kind of one of them. Um, it, it can be a, a brilliant advantage for any business. Graham, you've got any plans for CSR activity or what's yeah. the... Sorry, Jenny. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think... And and this is I think this is true for a lot of businesses is that actually we we do a fair amount you know 2020 was definitely a year of reflection and and to lose points we've looked at our language and and how we approach a lot of this, these things but actually the discussions I've had is that we need to be braver in talking about it I think there's been there's almost a shame to to saying like you know for example for our for the Christmas clients gift we did last year instead of doing gifts we did charity donations not for any you know reason but we felt it was the right thing to do right to be giving christmas gifts in 2020 when everyone was in such a bad way didn't feel like the right thing so we donated all that money to charity but we didn't really talk about it that much internally and and people didn't know that we'd done it and so actually and it cuts away half the point of doing it you know it's, it shouldn't just be about giving to good causes you should be raising awareness about and championing as paul says what's your purpose why are you doing these things other people should be aware of these you know what you're doing so for me it's it's not just about taking action it's then telling people what you're doing and not being afraid of that and not being you know it shouldn't be seen as a pr exercise you should be talking about it because it because of all of the benefits that does as well as um the course itself yeah really really interesting i guess people are just a bit conscious of uh, you know kind of greenwashing and and all that kind of falseness so i guess make sure that it's uh, authentic what you're doing in the first place and then you shouldn't be embarrassed to be speaking about it and you know everything will be aligned um and therefore you'll actually be doing what what you're saying you're doing um and then you can be proud of that absolutely and you know the the point is, if, you, if you're talking about everything, you can't be doing it well, right? So pick a couple of things, do them really well and talk about them in a conscientious way, rather than, as you say, saying we're doing 15 different things because no, one, no one's got the capacity to do that, right? So. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, quick question in from uh, Nicholas. LinkedIn was growing a lot in 2020. Do you think we can expect a similar growth in 2021? It's open. Who wants to take the take the floor? I'll go. I'm going to pick up on something that kind of Fiona's talked about a little bit, which is creativity um, on the platform. So I think it's a brilliant platform, right? It's um, I think it's continued to amaze me in terms of that it's a great platform for kind of free speech to a certain extent and and opinion forming and thought leadership and so on like that. But I think it can be used so much better. I think if if some real effort was put into content creation and 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 creative use of the platform, um, I I think we could be seeing much more out of it. Um, I'd agree with Paul on that one. Um, but uh, one of the things that we've sort of seen now and really is that we've started to heavily invest in LinkedIn, but we've also heavily invested in the creative. Um, input that we put into the channel. Um, one of the things that we even do at the moment is A-B test on our LinkedIn ads um, and, and see what performing well. Um, you know, is it 
and categorically ads with video in them seem to outperform any of them. Um, but obviously, if they don't have video in them, if they have like bold um, imagery and, and the stats that punt, like stick out and, and are quite punchy seem to do quite well. So we, we, we've noticed that and, and started to invest more, uh, not only in the platform with paid for ads, but actually investing in the time and effort that we that we sort of um, uh, put into the creative generation as well. Just had a little interruption there. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> Very good video. Love, love the digital world. Um, <laughs> yes, Lou, I think that's really interesting around what you're saying about video. Um, you know, we were talking about video being something that people are going to invest a lot more in as well. Um, are you actually doing testing within the video as well? So you're doing A-B testing, but are you creating perhaps two videos and seeing which works? Okay, really yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, I'm really, I have an in-house creative team. So, and I have um, a, a, a sort of a, a plethora of video editors and people who are motion graphic designers as well. So I've never had this before in any other company that I've worked for. Um, and so I utilize it to the hilt. Um, so yeah, so I've been able to do that and, and it's been really uh, great. And, and, and actually um, an, another interesting point is that we've seen um, geographical differences as well uh, in this. So um, activity that we run um, in certain areas like sort of Japan or in Asia really needs to be sort of quite high impact and have visual elements and stuff like that versus more static stuff that seems to do okay uh, in Europe and in the UK. So there's also a global sort of difference as well. Really interesting. Okay, super, super interesting. And yes, you're very lucky because of course you've got all of these people at your fingertips to, to your every woman need, Lou. I know. Yeah. Have you, have you used agencies um, to, to, to support your, your marketing efforts or do you do everything in-house? No, no, we use loads of agencies, loads of freelancers. I love um, working with different people and getting their different viewpoints. Um, we often uh, will get people to build stuff for us and white label it. Um, uh, so no, uh, like it's, it's a mixture between uh, in-house and, and working with partners. Yeah. Graham, have you got a, a team of, of people bowing to every need um, as, as Lou does? Or have you they been... don't bow, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they did. It sounded good. Um, Graham, have you got a team of people in-house? Do you do you use some outsourcing for, for marketing or how, how do you feel um, is the best way to look, to look after all the things you need? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. We we use different partners. We do use agencies for PR, for content, um, for events, virtual, where, wherever we, you know, we've got an amazing team around the world and all of whom have different skill sets. And so it's about either supporting and amplifying or, you know, filling in gaps where, where we either, you know, it might just be work support or creative input. It's always good to have outside voices. You can, you know, get too much stuck in, in routine as to what, what you're already doing so having external voices and bringing in agencies and partners is, is absolutely part of the strategy yeah it gives you it gives the ability to also see many different things that might be going on potentially in the b2c world you know fiona's mentioned a few times that b2c perhaps is, is leading the way so you know obviously then being able to look outside um could be really useful as well um, all right, let's let's bring it to the to the one best tip. So, if you were to give one best tip to everybody who's listening uh, right now, what is your digital marketing tip for twenty twenty one? 
And I'm going to go to Fiona first. Uh, oh, that's lucky, isn't it? Because then I, I don't have to um, repeat what someone else says. Um, so my tip is really understand your existing base. You can learn so much from the customers you've already got. Kind of really take time. Their businesses have changed and evolved. Look at what's happened to them during COVID. Use that knowledge to then go out and give them what they need, right time, right place, to then be able to start thinking about what a new base might be looking for. Mm-hmm. Graham, one best tip. Um, consistency. I think consistency is really undervalued in marketing. And, and I think if you look at the brands that do it really, really well, you know exactly how they're going to play something and, and they, they play it out to their strengths. That's not the same as doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but consistency in brand messaging, you know, consistency in your channels. I think especially C-suite can get distracted by new and shiny and being like, try this, try that, try something new. And that's fine and you should experiment, but it's, you know, making sure you're delivering your marketing message in in a consistent way so people know what you're about um, is undervalued in my opinion. Nice, consistency, okay. Paul? Be contrarian. So most B2B marketing kind of lacks creativity, lacks emotional appeal, is bottom of the funnel focused. Um, now's the time to elevate the role of marketing as a, as a business strategy driver and value creator to invest in brand. Brand builds not only short-term response, but also long-term uh, lead generation. Mm-hmm. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> invest, in, invest in brands. Yeah. Okay. Lou, what's your tip? Well, my tip was pretty much, I was like, oh, I'll do that one. Then someone else did it. I'll do that one. So I think um, what I will say is that, um, and I'll I'll use the stat. So I'm a massive fan of Mark Ritson, and he always uses P&G as a a case study. Um, And P&G is uh, a brand that always seems to do well in recessionary periods or when things aren't going well. And the reason why is because they don't stop spending. They keep going and they keep making sure that their brand is at the forefront. And actually, um, on a recent um, P&G sort of uh, shareholders call or something like that, um, they um, spoke about how they were going to continue investing in digital. And actually, they saw off the back of the pandemic that in some of their um, core product um, sort of SKUs, that there was demand of 20% plus. And they just kept their spending at the same level that they were going to spend in 2020. So my thing is just keep going like keep going with your brand building keep going with your spending like don't retreat because when you retreat you're kind of giving up and if you just keep going then you're going to build you're going to keep that brand recognition and your brand's going to keep going so that that's my point it's a commitment basically you've got to commit yeah commit be consistent listen and understand and be contrarian some good tips I think we've had some fantastic questions and great points of view. So a big thank you to to all of you. Thank you, Lou, Paul, Fiona, Graham. Really, really great to have you here. Um, Thanks to everyone in the audience. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions or answered uh, the report. It's been fun. We could probably talk another hour, but uh, I'll I'll let everyone leave. But a big thanks again, um, obviously, to, to everyone here. If you do want a copy of the report, let me know and I can pass that on. We will be sharing a copy of this recording as well, so you can take a look and uh, remember those tips. Thanks a lot for everyone. Have a great day today. Thanks again.